Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle, along with my co-host, Rachel Santizo. And our guest today is Holly Hancock. Welcome, Holly. Thank you. Don't be nervous. This is just a casual conversation. It is. We are one of the most watched and listened to podcasts dealing with addiction and recovery. And today, I guess I could throw out the question, what's up with today's young people? Because (laughs) Holly is an expert. She's our clinical director in our youth uh, treatment program. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Right? I yes. needed to get that right. Otherwise, I'd be fired, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Did a I good job. I would fire you. No. <laughs> uh, and, and you are not a person in recovery. Normally, we have somebody here in recovery. Rachel and I are both in recovery. Uh, but you deal with, uh, I guess I could say, troubled young people on a daily basis. So, so let's... <laughs> Let's start not necessarily with the people that you deal with, but kids in general. What are and you have your own, right? I do. A, I a te- have a 13-year-old and an 8-year-old. Okay, so the 13-year-old is a girl. Both girls. Both girls. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a tough age. What are kids going through today? I mean, you hear all the time about social media screwing up their lives, and and the suicide rate is just climbing and. And, and substance use is climbing. What, what, what's up with today's young people? I kind of wonder if a lot of it is social media. They move away from those connections with families. A lot of families don't, this is going to sound very old fashioned, but a lot of families don't have family dinner anymore. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have learned is that physical connection, the face-to-face connection with family, with friends, even time spent with friends is behind a device, right? They don't go out and meet friends. Even when we have my girl's friends over for a play date, or that's so old fashioned too with a play date for sleepovers, whatever you call them. I'm aging myself terribly. Um, But they're on their devices. Look at this, look at that, you know, and they're side by side engaging. But, you know, back in the day, we would go out and play and and be active and use our muscles and expand our lungs and exhaust ourselves that way in engaging in friendships. And I just don't see that anymore. Do you have family dinners? We do. We do. And while you're having family dinners, is your 13-year-old sitting there looking at her phone or not? No, sir. Because you don't allow it. I don't allow it. But she would otherwise. Oh, 100%. Yes. It, 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 and I'm old, so and I remember we had to have family dinners uh, at a certain time when Dad got home from work, yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and I don't know what it would have been like with, with, with like if we had smartphones and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I always wish I had family dinners. Like, that's the one thing that I wish. I think that um, having a family dinner would have been delightful, like just sitting around and yeah, communicating and talking. I never had family dinners. So when I hear that, it makes me super happy. I think she's right. And, and kids, I mean, I remember growing up, kids can be cruel. Mm-hmm. And, and we were cruel to uh, uh, somebody who, who came from a lower income area of town. And, and, and we, we uh, talked to her about the, the fact that she smelled. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. which could have shaped her whole life. 
Her yeah. name was Naomi. And we said, oh, here comes stinky Naomi and stuff like And that's cruel as hell. It is. Uh, and so kids do it on the phone now, right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen the statistics and the stories that kids say, you know, you should go kill yourself. Yeah. And there are kids that will do that. Yeah. And it, it's a more targeted, larger population when you do it on social media so right. one thing gets out and then it can ruin right and people so, feed on it yeah hmm. yeah so so how do we cure this well i <clears throat> excuse me one thing that we try to accomplish at the house where we're at and i would say any engagement period would be helpful is get them face to face with each other right like my daughter and i don't want this to sound like i'm patting myself on the back but my daughters have activities where they can't be on their phones. My oldest plays volleyball, my youngest is tumbling and does art classes. And we try to keep them engaged in something so that at least for a few hours a day, a week, they're not behind a device and they're connecting on a physical eyeball to eyeball level with other people. The kids you deal with, and we have a a residential treatment program that has, what, about 30 30 kids in we're, it. So. We're creeping over 30 now. Okay. And and they're in there for various issues like mm-hmm. what? It's not just like substance use. It's not just substance use. We have many kids, I would say close to all of them, that have behavioral issues. Certainly some with mental health issues. So there's like organic concerns happening in their brains and in their bodies. And then we have some that are parent placed and we have some that are court ordered. So we have a really nice mix nice mix that's kind of odd to say about the kids that we work with it's a nice mix um so across populations we have kids from out of state um we're getting more and more of those with the contracts that we have with different uh, states believe it or not nevada does not have a lot of resources for adolescents in terms of treatment residential treatment and behavioral health and mental health and criminal so we get kids from las vegas we're getting a lot from ely and elko Idaho, same thing. We're getting a lot of kids from Idaho these days that don't have the resources that we can offer. And when they're in in our program, your program, uh, they're not allowed to have cell phones? No. So... So you get kids who who are in trouble or who are you really used to using their cell phones and all of a sudden they can't use their cell phones. Mm-hmm. What kind of response do you get from them when they first come in and realize the rules? Well, there's withdrawal, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> so yeah. there's yeah. This, just like substance use. Exactly, yeah. right? Addiction is addiction is addiction, whether it's shopping, gambling, sex, substances, right? right? It's in the same place in the brain. So, you know, our devices are extensions of our bodies at this point. And so we're cutting off an appendage and there is that psychological addiction piece. And so they're withdrawing from whatever substance they're on to their phone, to gang affiliation, some of those activities that they're coming away from. They give up a lot. They lose a lot when they come in. So we have kids that quite literally crawl the walls and punch the walls and want to get out. Um, and we typically say it takes about two weeks for them to sort of get used to. They, they start calming down in about two weeks and then probably another two more weeks and they're like, okay, maybe I can do this program. Maybe I can engage with what's happening. How do you get through those first couple of weeks? A lot of patience. 
I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> we have great staff that are trained to sort of mitigate the emotional bursts and sometimes physical outbursts. I've seen some of the holes in the walls. <laughs> yes, we, we pay for a lot of reconstructing walls and paint in our facility. We had a tour that came through from the University of Utah, the adolescent psychiatric group up there. And that's one of the things that we said is just like, it's not that we don't take care of our building. It's just that, I mean, we could patch an entire wall of holes and six minutes later, another kid's walking down the hall, pow, puts another hole in the wall. I mean, that just shows what they're going through, like the emotional regulation and the pain that they're going through. I'm not saying that it's right, but when it's all built up and you're starting to face it, like I understand why they're doing it. Kids. And that is not to say that that's that if you walk through our facility, <laughs> yeah. kids are sitting there or pounding they, yeah, on the yeah. walls and everything else. No, it can be there, a reaction. <laughs> there are a lot of pleasant activities. Rachel and I uh, mm-hmm. both remember years ago when we uh, when senior staff would cook a, a holiday dinner for, for your and, gang. Steak and lobster, was it? No, we had prime rib. And shrimp, or oh, and we had crab legs too. Crab for legs, right? Yeah, you did that last year too. I did that. That's I, when I did I met it last you. year. Rachel wasn't there, yeah. and I and I, <laughs> I, I laugh about the story because the first time around, we had all these prime ribs that we cooked for them, and and it, and he cut them about maybe one inch thick, and and at our at our adolescent facility they use plastic sil- silverware, <laughs> and. Have you ever tried cutting a prime rib with a plastic knife and a plastic fork? And they were all breaking, so the kids were picking them up with their with their hands, looking like cavemen just eating, you know. And so, did they the, give them knives for that particular meal? Because so we don't have plastic I, knives. I persuaded your your the person who runs your program to uh, to yeah. bring knives and and, and forks. And, and and we got them from another program, okay. and it was just for that one meal, they were allowed to use that, and we had to count them when we brought them in and count them when we took them out. Uh, but, but it was a really positive experience, mm-hmm. and I was to one of your graduations, which was a horribly moving experience, uh, so good things happen at your place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we have a graduate tomorrow, actually. Yeah, I've been with the adolescent program for a little over a year, and we've had, I want to say this is our 13th or 14th graduation. So sometimes they're in quick succession. We had a graduation where three kids graduated the same day, but kids are moving through our program. Kids are succeeding. And we stay in contact with the kids that um, leave the program. We actually, holy cow, we took the kids camping a couple of weeks ago, wow. the kids that were eligible. And we had a graduate come back and participate in the camp with us. And so that was neat that we're still able to connect with some of the kids that have graduated and are succeeding. But camping with kids was... I bet that was... That was interesting. (laughs) Yes. It was fun. It was great to see some of the kids just really thrive in the outdoors. We had one girl that came back. She's like, I didn't realize that nature was so calming for me and that I really enjoyed it. And she's like, it's so quiet and it's so pretty and... So things that, you know, maybe a kid from Las Vegas, Nevada would never be exposed to being up into the Uinta Mountains or I don't even know where we were. Um, But just to have those experiences like breathing fresh air, having a river running close to us, a reservoir just up the street, you know. So why is it important? So say if you have um, parents that are struggling with their kids um, right now, what is the purpose? What happens? So we talk about 
someone being broken and stuff but what's the odyssey when somebody goes through like what does it do for them inside taking away their phones you know doing things like this like how does it help them succeed and what do you see yeah what do you what do you teach them i mean i mean because it's a strict program uh and it works yeah we have a program and it's it's odyssey house wide but the masteries and competencies that they have to go through we've adapted them for for the kids so that they have those same checklists that the adults have and they work through the levels and that's how they progress um different than the adult houses we do family therapy once a week we engage the parents back with the kids and a lot of times it's via zoom sometimes parents come in uh there are a lot of times that i really struggle i think a lot of therapists struggle too is that many of the homes these kids come from we put them back into the environment that we don't want them to be in right because mom and dad are using or mom and dad have used them to get their substances or you know yeah all sorts of horror stories that you might imagine and so we try to work with the families and get them back to a place where they understand look something's got to change in me too and sometimes we get there sometimes we don't and just provide as much support as we can to the families um but you know we, tr- we teach them to be accountable. We teach mm-hmm. them to own stuff. My favorite thing is to see the transition between kids that said, well, so-and-so did this, and so-and-so said that, and this, that, and the other, and it's always somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> and then to see that switch and for them to turn around, for them to say, no, I take accountability mm-hmm. for this piece of my behavior. Or I take accountability for saying that or this, that, or the other. So that's one of the things that I look for is that accountability piece. Like when they're really starting to understand that they do play a part in helping themselves, Mm -hmm. that's huge. And to hear a 14, 15, 16 year old say, I take accountability, I'm sorry. Holy cow. (laughs) Well, that's that's (laughs) That's huge. Even for, I I mean, in all my years of being a a functional alcoholic and years of addiction, when we talk to people out on the street, well, the reason I'm doing this is because of that person. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I went through four wives, and it was always, she, she mm-hmm. messed up the marriage, not me. Mm-hmm. And, and people who, are, who have those kinds of issues are always blaming someone else. And, and the first one, the first thing is when you take accountability for yourself, it makes a huge difference. It does. You know, I'd, I'd say if any of you four women are watching, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd say probably our divorces were 98% my fault. So, but I, but, but when I was, when I was a functional alcoholic, I would have said it was 2% my fault and the rest is yours, you know, and that's the way. So that's really a good thing for kids to learn at an early age. You describe that you've got kids and what amazes me is the work you guys do because obviously teenagers don't get along anyway regardless of what their issues are yeah. and and so you have these kids from like you know like urban places like Las Vegas or maybe some kid from a rural area in Idaho and and they all have issues be it substance use or mental health issues and they're all together in your facility for several months at least and I know you must have arguments, but it does seem, when I watched the graduation, okay, of the, of the two kids that I came to, 
it's like everybody in there was pooling for them. Mm -hmm. People were crying because they were going to leave. People, you know, and I'm sure that's not the way it was when they were first all together. No, we definitely have disagreements. They clash in personalities all the time. Uh, kids move friendship pods too, right? So and so is t treating me this way. They said this about me. So it's just like, forget you. I'm headed over and be friends with this person. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting to me that, and maybe this shouldn't be interesting to me, but we have more problems with our young women being mean girls constantly. Mm -hmm. really? Like we had an outburst in the house Saturday night and I was on call and I went in and within 30 minutes of me being there, I had the young men settle down in bed, lights out. I was there for another two hours managing the young women who were just up in arms and arguing and complaining and I was just like go to bed already it's like 11 o'clock I want to go to bed mean girls yeah, yeah we actually have a group that we run in the house that's called mean girls and we have a burn book in the whole nine yards Ooh. and it's obvious it's the opposite of what you might think the mean girls to be and we talk about female empowerment and how women need to be friends and take care of each other and you know me and one of the other therapists started it and ran it um we had, oh, it was the funniest thing. I was contorting not to laugh so hard in our last Mean Girls group because we were talking about toxic relationships. And I was sitting next to this young woman back of the room where we were in, and she sits forward like this, and she's kind of like a little, she's kind of a little punk kind of girl. And she sits forward and she's like, you mean I'm toxic in my relationships? I'm the toxic one? And... <laughs> That was it. I burst out laughing and I just said, sweetie, yeah. And then a couple of her other girls like popped up and just like, well, yeah, I know I'm toxic, toxic, but I date and hang around people that are more toxic. So I, <laughs> so I look better. But this whole conversation just sort of exploded when we were talking about toxic relationships and the light bulbs were going on about... Oh, maybe I'm the toxic one in this yeah. relationship. Well, be. No, I. They would never be the toxic one. But let's let's address a, t a tough topic. And and people have varying images of youth residential treatment facilities. And there's been a lot of negative publicity about some treatment facilities here in Utah where kids have died, uh, where kids have. Been, well, Paris Hilton brought out some terrible mm -hmm. things that were yeah. happening somewhere. What what is. Uh, what is our facility like, and how how can a how can a parent who's thinking of that their kid needs that kind of help how can they check something out uh, to know that something like that isn't going to happen to their kid? One of the things that we do if a parent brings in their child is we will pull them into the office and say, "Okay, what questions, myths, and misconceptions do you have?" and ask them, "What are you expecting of us? What do you anticipate is going to happen?" What happens in those next two weeks is their child will call them and say, they're beating me, they're not feeding me, <laughs> they, yeah. you know, I mean, they're chaining us to the walls, you know, they're making us sound like as horrible as we are, that I don't get medical attention, you know, all of these things, it's, it's a weekly sort of thing. Um, I would say for parents who may need the assistance of a residential treatment facility for their adolescents, call, make an appointment and come see us. Mm. ask us questions about the program, ask to talk to some of our kids there. Like I mentioned earlier, we had the U of U adolescent psych um, people in, and we brought two kids in and let them ask mm. questions to them. 
and tell their stories a little bit. And they were asking questions similar to you, like what's changed, what's different, what did you Mm -hmm. learn? And I would encourage parents just to come in or into any facility, sorry to interrupt. There are different levels of -hmm. facilities and the ones that you read about are total lockdown facilities Mm -hmm. where the facilities have the right to administer drugs to control behavior, uh, the right to put people in timeout rooms, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, be able to restrain kids if, if they're violent to the other people or themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what does Odyssey's residential treatment consist of in terms of those areas? We are an intermediate secure facility. All of our doors are locked from the inside and the outside, so kids can't run through the doors, which they have tried to yeah. bust through doors, which we're like, <laughs> Sorry, you're just going to hurt yourself, not the door. Um, We do not use restraints unless there is imminent threat to self or others. Since I've been there, um, like I said, a little over a year, there's maybe been a handful of times when we've needed to. And it is those sort of restraints are like a bear hug sort of thing. We use what's called the MANT system, M-A-N-D-T, and it's de-escalation. We are trying to talk, we're trying to remove from a situation, de-escalate to the point where we can calm them down. You know, maybe that's, you know, pacing the walls with, or pacing the halls with them, um, pulling them into a room, letting them cry it out. Um, But we do not have timeout rooms. We do not isolate. um, Drugs? We do not do chemical restraint. No, no, that's never happened in our facility. Okay. So the... So you call it intermediate, and and they can, uh, even though the doors are locked, if they desperately want to leave, they can leave, can't they? I mean, technically, no. <laughs> well, but but if they call their parents, and oh say, sure, yeah, yeah. If they call their leave. PO or their parents or whoever is responsible for them being in the facility, you bet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have parents that hear the phone calls of like, they're beating me, they're not feeding me, those kinds of things. Right. And, and they, and and they that, come in and pull them out. Yeah. And that's in those first two weeks where they're Typically. trying to. Uh, and so they're con- I could see them calling. <laughs> I think I would have done the same thing. <laughs> Mom, this place is awful. They're, mm-hmm. You know what they're doing to me? And and, 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 and what do you say? Like if, if somebody calls you up and says, my kid just called me and told me that you're doing this, this, and that, you know, what do yeah. you say? I say to them that we have a very structured program. I can assure you that your child is getting three meals a day. I can assure you that your child is engaged in school. Your child is engaged in individual and family therapy, psychoeducation. We keep them, I mean, their schedule's pretty tight, especially yeah, when is. school is in session. Um, when they're not like in the summer, we had activities planned all summer for them to keep them busy. Um, A lot of times the parents are just as anxious and maybe even feeling guilty for having Mm -hmm. to place their child into a facility like ours. And so they want to protect their their mama bear, papa bear instincts come in and they want to protect their kid, which is why we get those panicked phone calls, right? And we just try to deescalate them as well. We're almost out of time. What do you see for the future for today's youth? Because you're never going to get rid of cell phones or any social media stuff or anything like that. What do you see in the future? You've got a kid you're raising yourself. I do. I have two. And I, again, I'm going to, you know, show my age, like old-fashioned values, right? Mm. Like 
have dinner together. There's a really great TED Talk. I, I won't remember his name because I'm on the spot, but it's called Everything You Thought You Knew About Addiction is Wrong. And he shares this concept of the bigger houses got, the less families connected. So when we suburbanized, if you will, and houses got bigger, people went to different corners of the house and the connections, the disconnections started happening, which was fascinating to me. So I would, I would encourage families to wrap their arms around their kids right now, that that's going to be the biggest protective factor in the hope for our youth is make those connections. And he says in this TED Talk as well, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. We've heard that when we go through yeah. treatment programs yeah. and, and everything. you have any, any final thoughts, Rach? Um, yeah, I think that it's really cool. So I had a similar situation with my own daughter, and I had to put her in treatment. And so um, hearing the other side, because I think as the parent, all I wanted to do was save her because she was struggling, she was broken, and, you know, and so I'm really glad that you brought that part out as far as the parent of having a a child and residential so thank you for all you do holly i adore you and i think that you're going to make a difference in the world so thank you 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 don't really sound old-fashioned i I, Mm -hmm. I think although i'm old so maybe (laughs) you know but but the old days seem to be a little easier as kids growing up than they are now yeah for sure yeah the worst we had to worry about was what the cleavers were going to do Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wally and uh, who was the sarcastic? Oh, Eddie Haskell. Eddie Haskell. He, Eddie yeah. was like, he would have been the drug dealer, I guess, in, in today's age. Wouldn't <laughs> yeah, he? Here, yeah. here Beeve, just try this. It'll yeah. make you happier yeah. or something. It's just yeah. a cigarette. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. Thank you for all the work you do. And we're not trying to promote Odyssey's program. It's just trying to give you a better understanding of how to deal with young people. Yeah. And you're doing a great job. Yeah. Connect. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Randall. Thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.